0: Find out on Bird Hugger, the podcast for people who love birds. Join host Katherine Greenleaf, who has been rehabilitating injured wildlife for 20 years, and hear how you can turn your backyard into a native oasis for birds.
1: Hello there, everybody. I hope you're all enjoying the spring weather. If you're like me, it's hard to think about anything except gardening right now. I guess you could say I'm a little obsessed. I think we've got a great show for you today. Today, we've got a big update on Hugger, the broad-winged hawk. This is the raptor we've been tracking via satellite since last August, thanks to the wonderful work of Dr. Lori Goodrich and Hawk Mountain Sanctuary. We'll also be touching on several topics today pertaining to birds and gardens, including some of the newest locations offering native plants and trees for sale. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. If you are enjoying this show and like what we do, please help us out by subscribing or following us on your favorite app to access our free show. That way you'll get notified of what's coming, you'll never miss a show, and it will help us in the ratings. And now let's talk with Dr. Lori Goodrich from Hawk Mountain Sanctuary. She is here to update us on the Broadwing Hawk Project and on Hugger, the female Broadwing we are sponsoring with a satellite tracking device. Welcome back, Dr. Lori Goodrich. Lori, it's so great to have you here today. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here. Well, you've got some very exciting news for us, I understand.
2: Yes, the bird that was sponsored by the show, Hugger, is on her way back north. She was originally trapped in Canada, western Ontario, not too far from Toronto. She's really been moving the last couple of days, I we followed her kind of moving north out of the uh, South American wintering area up into Texas and Louisiana. And then things kind of slowed down for a while. But starting about Saturday, she was in just west of Birmingham, Alabama. So she's following the Appalachian Mountains north. So that was Saturday. And then Sunday, she moved up to Tennessee, again, following the Appalachians. And then She moved into West Virginia on Monday, and then the last two days, Tuesday and then today, she's in Pennsylvania. Unfortunately, she's not at Hawk Mountain like we would like her to be, (laughs) but she's following the ridges very faithfully northward. She's in the western, right now, in north-central Pennsylvania, moving sort of north and east along the mountains. So it's pretty exciting.
1: That is so exciting because I think, as I said to you once before, it is kind of nerve wracking to have her fly down there and then the transmitter's yeah. no longer transmitting because she's so far away from a tower and just waiting to see is she going to make it through the winter? Is she going to migrate back north? And oh. there she is in Pennsylvania already.
2: I know. And she is booking. It's interesting because we've been noticing around here a lot, a few of the Broadwings are back on their territories already. It seems like a little bit of an early year, and maybe she knows that because she's rushing back north. But one of the interesting things about her migration is that in the fall, she was trapped, as I said, in Ontario, kind of just north of Toronto. So just north of Lake Ontario in very remote area. And her southward journey was along the north side of Lake Ontario, north side of Lake Erie, right through Detroit and then south through Ohio, so pretty much west of the Appalachian Mountains. But now she's coming back east of the mountains. Even though she was trapped in western Ontario, we are not convinced that's where she nests, because we've seen some of these birds do what we call pre-migration movements in the fall. So she was trapped kind of late in the summer. She could have moved out of an more easterly nesting area. And we're wondering, given her flight path, if she might be you know, more likely to nest in Quebec or something. So we're very anxious to see where she ends up.
1: Oh, wow. That is very interesting. So the transmitter is going to tell you a lot of information about her original site.
2: Yeah, it will be really great. And we're so happy that it's seems to be signaling. It's strong. So she's getting a lot of sun on it with those solar panels. She was tagged in 2022, but we do have some birds that were tagged in 2021 that are still signaling. So it is possible that, you know, we'll get two full migrations out of the unit before it fails on us. And that's what we're hoping for. So lots and lots of things to discover still about Hugger and where she's going and all that stuff.
1: So is that pretty typical that the satellite tracking devices last about two years before they give up the ghost?
2: At this size, that's typical for the larger units. Like you see the ones that we put on vultures and the ones we put on and that other people have put on eagles, they can last 10 or more years sometimes because mm-hmm. they have a larger battery and it's more reliable technology. The batteries at this size, because she's, she's a small bird, she probably weighed about 400 grams and the unit can only be about 10 grams. It means we're kind of on the edge of battery technology when we're putting these units out
1: now in looking at the map on your hawk mountain website it's almost like a race you know when you look at all the different colored streamers going south and then coming back north and hugger of course is a bright pink she's like a bright bubblegum pink color so it's fun to track the colors but as we discussed earlier again hugger she migrated south but then Suddenly she stopped and she landed in a spot. Could you talk about where she stopped over winter?
2: Yeah, so she did some interesting movements and this is actually surprising to us. We had predicted that these northern nesting birds in Canada would probably migrate the farthest south. So We expected them to go down to Brazil and Peru, which is kind of the wintering range of broad But she's the second bird that ended up wintering in Central America that we've tagged, maybe the third one. But she stopped in Guatemala in October near Guatemala City and then kind of moved a little bit northward again and ended up settling kind of in a different area of Guatemala. She kind of moved around to some other more rural forested areas, then up into southern Mexico before she headed north again. She really was moving around a little bit from October through December and then kind of settled down a little bit more. But she must have been in an area that didn't get a lot of signals because we didn't have a lot of overwinter signaling. But we presume she was mostly in Guatemala.
1: I know that was hard to wait when the signal stopped.
2: <laughs> yeah. I was like, awful.
1: oh no, what happened to her? But apparently yeah. she did just fine. She was just out of range. And as we said, now she's trucking back to Canada.
2: Yeah. We're happy about that. And we have another bird that's kind of neck and neck with her right now, Frankie, who was tagged in Connecticut. So it's kind of interesting. The birds are kind of mixing it up when they're on migration.
1: Now, how would you say Hugger's course differed from the other broadwings that migrated south this past winter? We know she stopped short. She stopped far shorter than, I would say, the majority of the broadwings that you're tracking, correct?
2: Correct, yes. She was a little farther north. Yeah, and then her path was similar to the, there was three or four other birds, four I guess, that were tagged in that region of Ontario, just north of Toronto. And they all took that path north of Lake Ontario, north of Lake Erie, down through Detroit, and then kind of through what we would call sort of toward the central U.S., Ohio, Indiana. So she was part of that group, and then on into Texas, where she joined up with all the eastern broadwings heading south in Texas and they all kind of converge together as they go through Eastern Mexico. So her pathway was just a little bit different in that she was coming around those Great Lakes in a different way. Whereas a lot of the birds that we've tagged in New Hampshire and Connecticut and Pennsylvania have all gone down the Appalachian Mountains pretty faithfully. So she's coming back just like all the other Eastern broadwings along the Appalachians but we don't know exactly where she's going. I mean, at this point, we're going to speculate that maybe she nested somewhere in Quebec because that would make sense for her to come back the way she is around the Appalachians. But we'll find out. That'll be a big discovery. And within the next week, we may have a good idea of where she's going.
1: Well, that is so exciting. I can't wait to see where she ends up. If it's Quebec, that's going to be amazing because that's yeah. uh, quite a ways away from Ontario.
2: Yes, yeah, pretty far. I mean. One of our plans for this summer for the project is to go up into that area, remote area of Quebec, and try to trap a few more broadwings up there, because we think they may come down, even east of the Appalachians, some of them. So wow. we're hoping that her transmitter continues to signal. As as you mentioned before, these are units that operate off a of cell tower, so she would have to. It is unfortunately possible that she could be in such a remote area that we would lose signal for a while, but the Thing to always remember is that the unit continues to collect location data for us, even when it can't send it. So hopefully, she gets up and flies around at some point and we get a bunch of data on where she's been. But we're keeping our fingers crossed that she's not too far away from cell towers when she gets to her nesting area and that we get some good data on her breeding range. And anyway, myself and Rebecca McCabe will be up in that area this summer. So we're thinking if we know where she's going to be, it's possible we can. Look around the area, get some photographs on the ground of her habitat.
1: Now, this is sort of the broadwing hawk Olympics, right? So now, Huggers yeah. is in second place right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, depends on how, what kind of metric you want to use. Like, we haven't figured out how fast <laughs> they're flying, but she's made really good progress the last couple of days.
1: Who's right behind her? Who's in third place?
2: Well, let's see. We got Frankie, who's really neck and neck and then the other one was Nubanset and uh yeah Muskoka. Let's see where they are right now. They're they're a little bit farther south now in Texas. So there was some really um weird weather going on in Texas, a lot of rain. So some of these birds may have gotten caught up in that. But it looks like Nubanset who's also a Canadian bird, Muskoka are also both Canadians, are coming up pretty cl- and Catherine are pretty close behind. So there we have Hugger and Frankie in the lead, and then we have these other three that are close
1: behind. So, when all is said and done, Hugger may be the silver medalist this year.
2: She could be, yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. We'll have to make an announcement on our website. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Welcome back.
1: Just getting back now to where her overwintering site was, she spent a lot of time, as you said, just short of Guatemala City, sort of in like this park-like region I'm wondering if it was a, a nature preserve. Do you think maybe she was picking off pigeons there? I mean, I know in an urban setting you get a lot of pigeons. It could be the the eating was really good there. Apologies to the pigeons.
2: <laughs> she may have been going after rats as well. That's another urban food item. We actually had a photograph sent to us last year from Columbia with a Broadwing hawk on a city street with a rat in its talons. Because they do eat a lot of mammals. Rats are kind of big for them, as are pigeons. But sparrows and mice, any kind of rodent that's a lip, or a small rat would be certainly worth her time. But yeah, starlings, I don't, all that stuff. There certainly is a lot of food around cities. It's just a little nerve-wracking because I see them as dangerous places too. So even though it's harder to get signal, I prefer it when they hang out in places a little bit farther away from people.
1: Oh, I hear you on that one. When I saw where she landed, I thought, oh boy, it's a little too close to civilization. But I have to say, wouldn't it be great if there were boots on the ground that could watch what it is she's actually catching in that region? That would probably reveal a lot of information about how Broadwings choose their overwintering site.
2: Yeah, and that's a whole other area of research that we'd like to get into. We have a trainee or intern here now who's doing our starting her PhD looking at stopover sites, so places the birds stop on migration. And she wants to use our broadwing data. She does hope to visit some of those sites so that we can get on the ground kind of feeling for what the sites look like, which will be really great because that could be one of the biggest conservation threats, along with loss of wintering and breeding habitat, but also these birds, we've shown that they need places to stop and rest and feed on their migration South. So where she is now, she's going through these areas with big forests along the Appalachian mountains she's in lots of places to stop and feed, but it's not always the case when you get down to Central America where there's a lot of landscape change going on. So we need to understand better what the habitat's like, where they are stopping and what we can do to protect it.
1: Well, this is just so exciting, and I'm sure our listeners are very excited to get the update on Hugger.
2: Yeah, if people are interested, the the maps are available on the website. They're updated pretty regularly at hawkmountain.org on slash bird tracker.
1: I'd like to thank Dr. Lori Goodrich for joining us today. You can watch Hugger's migration north by going to the Broadwing Hawk Project at hawkmountain.org. And now I'm happy to announce some new native plant sources in the New England area. Intervale Conservation Nursery in Burlington, Vermont offers native trees and shrubs online and will ship them anywhere within the state of Vermont. Check out their website at intervale.org. There's also the Champlain Valley Native Plant Restoration Nursery in Pulteney, Vermont. This nursery has added a variety of shrubs and trees to its selections, Go to cvnpr.org. And finally, Vermont Wetland Plant Supply in Orwell, Vermont, provides a big selection of native wetland plants. They specialize in native seeds and plants that grow in or near water. This includes wet meadows, swales, stormwater basins, and wetlands like bogs and swamps. They also specialize in riverbank and shoreline stabilization. Go to pmnrcd.org or greenmountainnatives.com for a list of plants. And now let's talk about what to do when you see an injured bird. You are enjoying the beauty of your backyard when all of a sudden you see a bird in trouble. Perhaps a bird is standing on the ground and unable to fly. It may act dazed and confused. If so, chances are good it has flown into a window and has a concussion. Put on some gardening gloves and place the bird gently into a cardboard box. Make sure there is a cover on the box and that air is circulating inside. Do not offer the bird food or water. Call your local wildlife rehabilitator or animalhelpnow.org for help. Or perhaps you have come upon a bird with a broken wing, or the bird may be bleeding or lying on its side. This is what you usually find after a cat or dog attack. Again, do not offer the bird food or water, but get it into a cardboard box with a soft towel on the bottom. Bring the box indoors, put it in a quiet, out-of-the-way place, and call your local wildlife rehabilitator. Be mindful that in the case of a cat bite, you have roughly 12 hours to get help for the bird before Pasteurella bacteria from the cat's saliva kills the bird. In other words, it's not a situation that can wait. Another common scenario is finding a baby bird on the ground. If you find a fledgling bird, know that all young birds drop to the ground to learn to fly. The parents are nearby in a tree waiting to feed the bird as soon as you leave. There is no emergency unless you see blood or dirt on the baby bird or you know for a fact that cats have access to your yard. If that is the case, put the baby bird in a cardboard box and bring it inside. Call your local wildlife rehabilitator. There is a great deal you can do to help birds stay safe. Use paracord to mark your glass windows. Keep your cats indoors and your dogs on a leash and plant lots of wild spaces for baby birds to practice flying.
0: Join Americans everywhere in the one-third for the birds movement. Dedicate the back third of your yard to birds and other wildlife. Make this area a quiet zone with no leaf blowers or lawnmowers. Plant native trees and shrubs so birds have plenty of insects to eat. Create a safe haven for birds to nest and raise their young you will be rewarded with many hours of bird-watching fun. For more information on One Third for the Birds, go to the Bird Hugger page on Facebook.
1: And that's it for today's episode, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Have a great week and enjoy the birds. Bye for now.